Welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Reality Bites with special guest Morgan Garrity. God, Mom, I can't handle this right now. We gotta, like, go and fucking experience the world. You have a job at the Gap? More like, you're a sap. Because the system is putting us down. God! I'm boarding my student load officer. Hey, can I crash on your couch for a couple of years? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're we're not even gonna pay the phone bill, dude. It's crazy. We're racking up money. All I have a budget for are my Coke products. My big yeah. gulp. <laughs> yeah, you big gulp. But you know, capitalism is bad except for the big gulp. Except for the big. That's gulp. the one success of capitalism. Tattooed on my neck. Yeah, I'm going to put it on my forehead. Man. Like Jared Leto damage. But, <laughs> Jeff, uh, the reality the you were just painting, painting for us yeah. there right there really bit. Really bit? Hard. Because Real, reality bites. Oh, there okay. it is. Here's the first thing. <laughs> yeah, the first right. one of the episode. I, I'm just glad it wasn't me. I, I think this was a great episode, guys. Have fun talking about the movie. I'm out. <laughs> uh, but no, I want to lodge a complaint immediately with you, your candor, sir. Uh, oh. Um, <laughs> oh. Because they are very. Helen Childress, the writer of this movie, and Ben Stiller are very specific. It's not reality bites because reality is bad. Mm-hmm. It's reality bites because we're just looking at bites of reality, dude. A slice of life picture. Oh, shit. Wrong button. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Take two. He said start over. <laughs> start over. No, I meant to do that. <laughs> oh, I love this board so much. Oh, God. <laughs> I want like a watch-sized one that I could use in public. <laughs> Uh, but folks, if, if our if our uh, general uh, vibe did not give it away, we're talking about the 1994 motion picture Reality Bites today. Um, everyone's favorite Gen X period piece. <laughs> <laughs> that is evidently, according to Ben Stiller, like not supposed to be about specifically Gen X, but it is about Gen yeah, X. Yeah, who else would it be about? Well, because he's saying it's like, well, no, it's like this is a film about a generation, but it transcends like generations and people be able to watch different time periods and find the same. Like, yes, but they all have landlines. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> yeah, like this is a time capsule yeah, into yeah. a three year window of time. Yeah. Mm. This would be like if we, we took the movie that we covered 1969 and said it's a generational tale, but applies for all ages. <laughs> no, it's called 1969. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, I, I can watch this movie now. Um, me, who was not born yet when this movie came out, um, I can watch it and I can be like, oh, I find things in here that are interesting, but it's most certainly a, you know, like you said, a time capsule mm-hmm. of yeah. an era. There's a moment in the film that is so, uh, I feel like identifies that it's stuck in this era and it's when Ben, ben Stiller's character goes into the phone booth to use his cell phone. Yes. And that sort of like pocket choice of like doing calling someone in a space where he thinks he's supposed to call someone despite being the only character with a cell phone. And it's like that sort of thinking could only exist at that point. Yes. Yeah. Because like now there aren't even phone booths now. (laughs) That being a time capsule in and of itself, but like that's actually a perfect read on both his entire character Mm -hmm. 
and the thinking that goes into making this movie in this specific year that it gets made. My my favorite, like, you see this a lot in the 90s especially because it's, like, as close as it can be before it really shifts, but it's the pre-9-11 airport scenes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Are just, like, the most, like, where they just, like, stra- like walk in with, like, a cigarette and a cell phone. They go through a metal detector. <laughs> the they, amount of cigarettes. Yeah, yes. the amount oh, of cigarettes. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> it's, it's, it's my favorite. You know? <laughs> I, I actually think there's not a scene in this movie where Winona does not have a cigarette. It is like every single one. Yeah. And she just looks like the coolest person ever. They did perfectly and capture that sort of feeling when you chain smoke cigarettes and you feel insane. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like any other drug. You know, you just feel cracked out and weird. <laughs> right. and she's just losing her mind at TV. <laughs> While talking to uh, uh, the psychic. poor psychic yes. on the phone about her relationship troubles. <laughs> a great it's sequence. A $400 cell phone bill. Jesus. But the, the thing that's funny about a se- describing this as essentially a period piece is that the reason Winona does this movie is because she's tired of being in period pieces. Mm. Yeah. Um, because as we talked about um, last week and the week before, the immediate fo- uh, preludes to this, I mean, three preludes to this are House of the Spirits, um, Age of Innocence, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Both, All three movies where she described herself as wearing corsets. And she didn't want to do that for at least one movie. She goes back to it for Little Women coming up. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of like the little respite she has. She also does a, a Hamlet adaptation um, in here uh, that we're going to talk about in several weeks because it came out later. It's actually Richard III, not Hamlet. I'm mm. embarrassing myself mm. right now. Don't even <laughs> I think that about instinct. It. I watched the flinch. Third's <laughs> hand moved for the the trombone. <laughs> for the trombone, we do very not. Very close. Very close. Almost did. Mm. Uh, and then and then she gets so sick and tired of all like the period pieces and dressing up that she becomes a robot in Alien Resurrection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a movie that and that episode that we will be recording on Easter this year. Yes. Um, Who do you con- have booked for that? Um, my friend Dave, okay. I gotta see if he still wants to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was talking he, with my partner. My partner watched Reality Bites with me and he went on a very long tangent about Alien Resurrection and why that's his favorite Rhino and That's film. An insane. Wait a minute. I know. I know. That's it's an insane. It's, I think you both would be intrigued by the discussion. It's outside of my wheelhouse. So. <laughs> I don't want to get carried away because that, that episode is going to be a hamburger of an episode. So. That episode is going to be mostly me just saying how Alien Resurrection is an adaptation of the Christ story, but we do not oh, have I'm to get very into this intrigued. now. It's, okay. it's, uh, I'm to, going to be an active listener. To, to spoil... <laughs> I do not like that movie. No one does. No, it's it's not a good movie. His take was also it's not a good movie, but it's important. It has a really good Dan Hedaya performance, um, but not much else going for it. (laughs) Don't. Wrong button. God damn it. I'm, that that would be effective for Dude, reality. I love bites. the idea of Jeff like switching all of the buttons oh, the second God. that you're out of the room. So <laughs> I, just, thrown off I meant to do the uh the that for, <laughs> for the, the, the bad performance. Drum roll, please. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm sorry. I said I, I, I said let's I'm, delve. I'm putting it on the blank buttons. What happens if you press a blank button? Nothing. Okay, nothing. Cool. Stuart, we should get some context corner sound effects. Um, because we're about to delve into the context corner now. Ooh, sure, why not? Context. I'll make. I'll get something better. I'm thinking like a uh, like a cavernous noise because we're going. I am so sorry. No, I'm having a good time. Um, I'm having a great time. <laughs> okay, um, but let's delve into the context corner for reality bites. Let's go. 
Um, so like I said, Winona personally does this movie right after her run of period pieces because she just wants to do, in her own words, something where she wears blue jeans. Yeah. Yes, That's I her saw exact wording. About that. mm-hmm. Um Morgan, I've been reading a Winona Ryder biography um mm. as we've been going through kind of keeping pace with the movies. Mm. And most of the content in this or the context around this movie is mostly that she's just getting over her breakup with Johnny Depp uh, during production of it. Yes, tragic. The breakup after the House of the Spirits. Um, he goes wino forever mode, uh, which is one level over from sicko mode. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> oh God. Um, and then uh, she goes right into production of this movie, um, which she's interested in, you know, experiencing something for her own age range. Yeah. Um, because, you know, she is in this era of, being in adult films, like we said, after the run of Night on Earth and Mermaids and whatnot, she says, no more movies for teenagers and kids. I want to do movies for adults by adults. Um, and this is kind of her first foray back into a modern film in that era. Because yeah. she kind of right away goes into adult films are period pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will go do a run of period pieces. It will be an actor. Yes. Yeah. Because this kind of feels style. like if you remove Age of Innocence, um, Dracula, House of the Spirits from the conversation. Like, you pretend they don't exist. This does feel like what the Winona Ryder who did Heathers and Mermaids would be doing next. Most yeah. definitely. This yeah. feels like just like the logical progression. I read that Helen wrote the character for her. Like she, she was in mind. Um, I would believe that. The one thing I know is that the script got to Winona uh, finished a little bit later down the line. Mm. But Helen might have just had her in mind and it might have just accidentally worked out that way. Yeah. Which is a very real possibility. But I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you think of, like, Winona as somebody who, like, Heathers and there's there's a, a high school movie before that, I'm sure. But, like, you think, oh, this would be, like, what their life would be after their school blew up, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is Winona several years after the school, yeah. after JD blew up the school. Yeah. but they work at a TV station. And she is, I think, during the production of this, 22, uh, right? Um uh, no, born in 71 this is 93 yeah she was 22 during production so she would be right at like the where if you went into college right after high school you'd be yeah. graduating at 22 so she's like right around in that same age range yeah. i think they say they're 23 in the film yeah yeah so she has to play above her age crazy and ethan hawk i think is just like a, a hollywood's few, fucked up a few years older mm-hmm. yeah how ethan old is hawk, ben stiller uh he is like He's like 28, I think. Yeah, was. he was born in 65, 65, so 25, 26, 27. Yeah, 28, yeah. roughly, when he directs like, this movie, which is impressive that he directed first, this at 28. His first yeah. directorial this film. His first directorial film. I told Jeff this last night when I watched it. It's like, it feels like a spiritual prequel to The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes. In the way yeah. of, like, imagine if, like, Michael, who's a guy who just also graduated didn't know what his life wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then in that movie ends the way it does. And then Secret Life Walter picks up with where he lived his life. And now he did, didn't live anything exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of was well, like, oh, you wow. get the interesting like film clip at the end of the film. Like there's like a credits roll. There's these two characters that you don't know. And they're clearly um, Winona and Ethan Hawke. And then yeah. it's like, written by Ben Stiller's character. Yeah. So he had like a flub TV show, maybe. Yeah. Does nothing after that. Ends yeah. up in the secret life. Much like the Ben Stiller show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess watching the the pilot episode of that is why they asked him to direct this. Yeah. I don't I'm trying to understand the through logic still. Well, yeah, I've, I I for one have never watched the Ben Stiller show, which made it for thirteen episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's no. fine. 
I don't think I ever will. <laughs> That's okay. I have a, there's a Ben Stiller complex in my life where I will I, I will watch it. You will watch every Ben Stiller thing. Yeah. yeah. I have respect for that. We worked he, he with, might be a good subject. Did you hear about this this person we worked with who just worked with Ben Stiller? Should I pause the recording? Um No, we don't have to. Uh, Say a, it on air. A heater tech be on brave. a heater tech on the show <laughs> that we work on. Okay. Um randomly applied for a casting call online and got cast as like a gingerbread man in a Ben Stiller Nutcracker adaptation. That just oh, wow. Oh, they, they just filmed it? Yeah, they filmed it like over December. Huh. He was gone for like a month and everyone's like, where'd he go? Is this our heater Long hair guy? Yeah, long hair guy. Oh, yeah. that's why he was gone. Yeah. But he he will be playing the mm-hmm. nut cra- a uh, gingerbread man. That's so, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, heater tech to a gingerbread man. Yeah, heater tech to gingerbread. Who'd have thought? Who'd yep. have, not <laughs> me. <laughs> that uh, cooked in that oven, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I really like the story of how this movie comes to be. Um, because it, it, this movie's produced by Michael Schamberg, who's been, he's just like a successful Hollywood producer. He does a lot of things. Um, nothing really super notable. Um, like, it's not like he's won Oscars or anything. But he's been nominated, or he's been around for a while, is what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, he has the idea he wants to make a movie about people in their 20s. This <laughs> is his big pitch. Amazing. <laughs> and they're like, not never done all before. Right, all right, Mike. <laughs> Very good. Un- what else you got? Unique idea. <laughs> um, and he's like, let me get back to you on that. Uh, he comes across a spec script by Helen Childress, who ends up writing this movie, really likes uh, which she, her writing style and her sensibilities, and asks her to come up with a movie about people in their 20s. Um, that's kind of spawns the idea of reality bites. Uh, she bases most of the characters on her friends, her family. She's very involved in the production of this movie, stays on set for the entire run, works with the actors, and very much shapes the characters with them on set. Um, almost more so than Stiller, it seemed like at times. Because I think I read a, a p- trivial piece that like Stiller wanted her to be on set yes. a lot. But I can't help but feel like maybe part of that is not so much that Stiller as this very experienced director is like, oh, we should have the writer on set to mm. more like Stiller being a very new like director. Her yeah. life story like, and he wants her there to like yeah, help shape these characters. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like he can do what he can try to do for being as early in his career as he can, but having the writer there probably is but, but, uh, so helpful. Yeah. But yeah. Ben comes onto the movie because the watch the pilot for the Ben Stiller show and they're like this guy's got the juice. This guy's got the juice. He's it. Which He's it. this just that just used to happen in Hollywood is like you would direct a pilot to a TV show and they'd be like, yeah, we'll give you like a, a little freedom to make a movie. Important yeah. to note that Ben Stiller was raised in Hollywood. Yes, around yes. a lot of these people. This is true. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's a he's a nepo baby for sure. My uh, big nepo, Jerry Stiller and all. Yeah. Um, but um, he you know he gets the director's job and then they're looking at the script and they're like, there's something missing here. And Ben Stiller's like, it's me. Oh, <laughs> it is I. It is I. Uh, because they don't, the, the plot is basically just the story of the Ethan Hawke and Winona characters. There's not really a third you know, part of the triangle mm-hmm. at this stage. And they're like, we're kind of, we feel like there has to be some other force working in on this. And some Ben Stiller's like, you're looking at him. This guy. And they rewrite the script and put him into it. Um, wow. He's like, I'll just play myself. He wasn't even an original character in the script. Yeah. That's huh. crazy. Then and what was the tension? Will there won't they fuck without the third guy? They were <laughs> they were they were just really struggling to figure out like what is the force that kind of gets in between them. Mm. They came up with like, isn't it a variety of characters? At one point they were like, is it a Japanese candy executive? <laughs> <What>? Um <laughs> 
This is a true story. I'm so intrigued by that version. Of the <laughs> I would script. like I to see it. that movie. <laughs> I would like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually they do settle with you know Stiller being there, just on like he'll kind of play a version of himself, mm-hmm. which seems basically like what he's doing. He's not really doing anything outside of the normal Stillerisms. It's kind of what he he's always done. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. I if, like if, it. if you're good at it, yeah. why why change it? Um, but the with that in mind, they finish the script. They're getting ready to put it in production. TriStar says, we don't see much money in this and puts it in turnaround. They're not really interested in making the movie. Hmm. So everyone's sitting around. The movie's probably not going to get made. The script comes to Winona Ryder's desk through her agent. It's like, hey, I think this script might be something you're interested in reading. I know you want to do a non-period piece. She reads it, calls them up and says, I would like to be in this movie. Um, With her attachment, especially after her Oscar nomination for Age of Innocence that's just happened, um, movie immediately gets greenlit. Yeah. So she's really the the force that brings the movie together. And I think it's worth to pause and like talk about that. That at this point in Winona's career, that just her jumping on a movie can get it greenlit. Yes. The like, power. Yeah. That she has that power now in Hollywood. With the exception of the House of the Spirits, which the less said about the better. Um, as we talked about. Yeah. Morgan, this is a movie um we, that you think uh, is about. Um, it starts with Meryl Streep as like a magical telekine- t- telekinetic clairvoyant. Hmm. And you're like, oh, this is what this movie is about. And like mm-hmm. she's talking with the dead. And then halfway through, they never bring that up again. Ooh. And the second half of the movie is about the Chilean coup d'etat of 1973. What? And yeah. mostly involves Winona Ryder being beaten in a cell. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's based and off a all, book. And they're, all <laughs> playing, okay. clear. and they're all playing Chileans. Oh, All these white oh, people. Oh, my gosh. Um, I haven't seen this film, and really I'm not sold, to, to be honest. No value in watching this movie. Weird. Jeremy Irons does not even attempt to hide his like thick accent because <laughs> he's like a Chilean senator but talks like my name is Sal- 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 the, the Democratic Socialist Party is going to ruin the country <laughs> I contacted the Americans <laughs> but we already yep, talked about it never watching that thank you yeah, for yeah. the warning <laughs> I had to read both these movies on Amazon Prime I just want that to be said I spent $7 of my hard earned money to watch both these movies Reality Bites I wasn't that upset yeah, about House but. of the Spirits is one of those movies where you're just like why am I watching this, yeah. why why? Is this still bring accessible? back the telekinetics yeah. just give me Meryl please I want Meryl, I want Meryl to come back and like use the force to wipe out like the Chilean the military. military yes <laughs> and the movie would have been cool if that happened oh my god um, but Winona agrees to be in the movie one of her stipulations in her contract is that ethan hawk has to play her romantic interest in the movie mm. yes because uh, she was friendly with him and he was pretty uh disappointed with where his career was going that he never really capitalized on the dead poet society success yeah and so she agrees to do it if he's brought into it obviously no one's going to say no to that mm. uh, stipulation so they're both cast and they had fantastic tension Yes. Good the, choice the two, on everyone's part. The two of them have a real, like, innate understanding of each other's skills as a performer mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and how to, you know, play opposite each other. Um, Janine Garofalo. Gotta talk about her. Yeah. Uh, she's cast in the movie because she's worked with Ben Stiller on a show. Uh, she's also fired from this movie because she and Ben Stiller do not get along on production. She what? is then brought back onto the movie because Winona says, you need to bring her back. I want her on set. Didn't and they date? Yeah. Janine and, and Ben? Yeah. This was, they started dating after? Let me find out when their relationship timeline is. Um, I think the, the bulk of the reason being is uh, 
And she even says it herself in some interviews that she doesn't like to rehearse. Doesn't like to rehearse. She was very lazy on set. Ah. Um, kind of that sort of stuff. Um, Wait, now I need to know if they were dating. Yeah. I'm looking up. I'm looking up. I feel like that's even more context that right. explains a lot. But while I, well, they they oh. casually dated in 1990, but they were oh. not dating by this point. Okay, so, so they were exes. They were yes. companionships, somewhat. Um, situationships. Yeah, situationshipping. Say, uh, Steve Zahn's in this movie. Yeah, we're okay. not done talking about Janine Garofalo. Oh, sorry. Let's, let's and her baby let's, bangs. Let's go and her baby bangs. Baby bangs. Yes. Um, but I just the the studio wanted Gwyneth Paltrow for the role, Whoa. but still it was like, no, I want Janine Gruffalo. I've worked with her a lot. She's in my show. Um, we have a great relationship. We're gonna work really well together. <laughs> <on this set>. <laughs> <laughs> We're besties. <laughs> and then like during rehearsal, still was like, get her out of here. <laughs> She's fired. <laughs> and when Nona steps in and insists, she will walk off the movie if Janine Gruffalo is not fired. Girls freaking rock. Re-hired. I love girls. We we defend each other. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why I said we defend each other after you said I love girls. <laughs> you know, you can I be an honorary member yeah, of the pack. That was, st- was a wild thing for me to say. <laughs> Step right in. Once again, taking our space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? You There's know? a whole bit when I recorded an episode of uh, Cole's Colin Farrell podcast where um, I just yelled at them both for silencing women. There's so much of it. <laughs> and Nicole would actively mute me. So I, I, I just took the um, the title for their longest episode ever um, <gasps> for Saving Mr. Banks, <laughs> which we talked about for four hours. What? Oh, I heard about this. Yes. Um, and you talked about cartoon lore. Yes. yes. Cartoon lore. Yes. But um, quick sidebar, folks, um, if you want to listen to this, go to the Above the Title podcast. It's on all the same places we're on except for Spotify. Uh, check out my Saving Mr. Banks episode. It had to be split into two separate episodes because it's so long. Oh, wait, we talked about that in the episode I'm on. So now we're talking about that episode in this podcast. It's a, a lot of inception happening here. Which movie Lots were you on for? Um, I was on for True Detective season True Detective two. season two. Yeah. Yes. Salute. Thank you. I um, sobbed like a baby. <laughs> God, what's, the, what's the name on the phone when it's... Uh... The, name the phone in True Detective that's like on the tree. It's like sending the message and it oh, says yeah, failed to son. send. Yeah, his son. <laughs> his son's name is Chad. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, it's so sad. Yeah, <laughs> the episode was so long uh, that we recorded and then Cole told me it was only like three hours and 55 minutes. So I recorded an addendum um, recant, uh, apologizing for my role in the episode that we uh, were disrespectful to Paul Giamatti. Oh yeah, what? And then Cole recorded a response to my response about Paul Giamatti. The episode got to three hours, fifty nine minutes, and eight seconds. Jesus. And then I hastily on Thursday night recorded fifty two seconds of content of me just saying random shit, so you could splice in the end and we could break the four hour point. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I think the listeners of Travolting were excited to hear about this. <laughs> I just have one question: yes. What do you do? The exact same plug that you just did for him for our show? Yes. Has he? Oh, him? No. Yeah. No. I was like, okay. He's. I describe his show as the second best. He describes our show as the second best. Um, He's cool. I love you. I know you're listening. Yeah. He is. He is listening. He is listening. Point. He's listening to the whole show. Yeah. Um. The last, you know, part of the the quartet that they have to hire is Steve Zahn, as you said, who's in a show with Ethan Hawke at the time because they're real art guys. Yeah. Um. And Stiller went to go see the show and cast him off of that. It was Steve Zahn who insisted that his character be gay in the movie. That like little subplot that the character has. Well, if you're going to have an AIDS yeah. plot, 
you got to have at least one. Uh, yeah, character. gay male character. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the AIDS plotline is otherwise Judy and Griffin will be like, I think I have AIDS. And I'll be like, I don't got it, guys. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. And so I do like that Zahn, who otherwise doesn't really have that much to do in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like the, the least important of the four um, in terms of main story progression. It's nice that he comes to the table and insists like on having at least something of an arc. Yeah. Where his whole ki- his his whole arc in the movie is that he wants to come out to his parents and is afraid to do so, and finally gets the courage at the end, and it becomes part of Winona's movie within the movie. Yeah, I'm a huge Steve Zahn fan. I love him. We I love, love Steve, Steve Zahn, Zahn. No wrong. Yeah, we respect Steve Zahn. He's in Daddy Daycare. <laughs> He's the he only in... actor who returns for Daddy Daycare too, I believe. You see his balls on the White Lotus. Oh, it's probably a prosthetic. This. This is major information. This it's is fantastic. Major. Wow. Have you not seen the first season? I've not mm-hmm. seen any of True Light Lotus. Ooh. I'm so terrible at TV. That's it's a different kind of TV. Mm-hmm. You know, you would. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy it. It's a new location. The the gimmick is it's a new location every season. Right? It's a new cast. New cast. Okay. Yeah. They, they it, except uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character is brought into the second season. Okay. Yeah. And will she be brought into the third? I like the idea of a traveling Jennifer Coolidge. I don't want to answer that. Okay. If you haven't seen it. All right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I will not answer. I will not uh, investigate. Heard. What? I said heard. <laughs> heard. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're getting into bear lingo. Heard. Yeah. Chef. Yeah. Warner. Yes, sharp. chef. Uh, <laughs> yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, chef. <laughs> Just playing that uh, but for my I, own self. I do believe that was all I really have for the prolonged context. <laughs> uh, do we want to just delve into the uh, the plot of the movie? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, I mean, the first thing that got me right away was they're saying uh, the graduation speech uh, from Winona. A lot of this is shot on, uh, I mean, it was made to look like shot on camcorder VHS tape. This movie shot by Emmanuel Lebeski Chivo. Um, And I'm curious how involved he is in the, like the camcorder stuff. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, still shot it. Um, but I'm curious if they did just use a handheld camcorder to achieve the effect, or if this is like just, essentially a post kind yeah, of that was what rough, ruffle job. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think it was camcorder on set, but this movie feels, dare I say it, authentic enough <laughs> to use the uh, real enough to use a camcorder, right? And actually just film it all. Yeah. Uh, my first note was immediately the most Gen X movie ever made. Absolutely. Yes. Because it starts off with Winona's valedictorian speech, um, where she's just like, "What are the answers? What is this world we're going into?" She looks at her notes. She's lost the page with her her grand thesis. I don't know. <laughs> Reality <laughs> bites know. takes the screen. Yeah, and then it just cuts a montage of them smoking on the roof. Get a little bit of some pretext and all of them individually. Yes. Uh, Winona and Ethan Hawke, as we said earlier, are kind of like a will they, won't they mm-hmm. sort of friend situation ship. Well, we, we also get the wildest moment in this movie. Oh right my now. gosh, Tammy. Yeah, Tammy. Tammy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Just yeah. standing in a wide shot on a porch. with Also with baby bangs. Yes. Saying goodbye to Ethan Hawke. And I'm like, oh, Renee's going to pop up again in this movie. Absolutely not. Not the case. Seems. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw her name in the credits, I was like, holy shit. Because there's a lot of like random big celebrities in this. Yes. It was like Andy Dick at one point with really dark hair. Um, 
So yeah, I, going through the credits, I was like, holy smokes, there are so many people here. This is her third movie, uh, Renee Zellweger. So it, it, she is just playing like a day player role. Um, but it was just really funny right off the bat that they hit us with that. Yeah. <laughs> I like when big names have really small scenes in movies and like wide shots. <laughs> That's always the most entertaining to me. You're like, is that? <laughs> Did she come up in Texas? Is that like where her career started? Um, she Yes, yeah, she was born in Katy, Texas. Wow. Wow. She uh, alma mater, University of Texas at Austin. Okay. That's dope. Good for good for her. Yeah. Academy Award winner for Judy. Judy. A movie that I think a person saw. Um, I watched saw it. it. Yeah. I watched it. I watched it. Well, I, I it was all right. Two people watched it. Yeah, we were the only ones in the theater. Actually. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, what's I, up, Stuart? <laughs> even, even before that movie came out, I was always saying, like, there should be a Judy Garland biopic. Like that, you were saying this. Yeah, I mean, always, you were just going around ever saying. Since I was this. five yes. years old. Yeah, I mean, don't you? Stuart's just been walking don't around. Don't think like, about. All right, folks, <laughs> listen, hear me out. There's got to be a oh Judy Garland biopic. <laughs> He's crushing our bit. He's crushing our bit. Look at him go. He's, his fingers have never moved faster. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just I, I was always like, it's, I'm hoping, like you know, that there should be a Judy Garland biopic. I'm glad that they chose point. that era in her life. It was such a dark period in the Garland story. Yeah, I just, I, I, I part of me was almost like I wish th- that they leaned more into it because I think they left out some of the other things too. Like, because I know like they got some of the flashbacks and the Wizard of Oz stuff, but I think that that was something I was hoping would be more prominent in the movie. It's just the focus on how much that started her kind of, mm-hmm. not like downfall, but just like her issues, her issues, her troubles. Yeah. She had also just gotten fired. From a set at that point in her life when yeah. she was older, what was that set? It was a big uh, oh, I don't, I don't remember. Um, um, oh, Valley of the Dolls. Oh, yeah. I and I would love to have like seen like bits and pieces of her because her story with on uh, A Star Is Born is very interesting too. Yes. Uh, and then and that that I would have liked to have like a little bit of that in the movie as well. But You're spearheading I'll, I'll, writer, yeah, with the uh, Garland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like my goodness. No, she just has a very interesting career, very interesting life. What if we did the Judy Garland podcast? It's just sad. Yeah, that's, that's just that's a, very, a hard one. That's a depressing podcast. Dude. <laughs> depressing so. Yeah. Just stumbling downhill. Yeah. We just, what if we just only did sad filmographies? Sad filmographies? <laughs> so, like, so every day we're coming, here's the bummer this week. I mean, <laughs> in principle, our podcast is kind of a sad podcast because we talk about actors that have had like big downfalls. Right, well, can I hit you with why it's not? Because John Travolta had a downfall, but it was really funny. <laughs> Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Fraser had a downfall, but he came back and is currently in a good place. Yeah. Uh, Winona Ryder. Um, Resurgence had a, in TV. Had a downfall, came back, seems to be fine. She stabilized. Yeah, she stabilized. Yeah. Like, a, like a plane that gets hit with turbulence. <laughs> she has achieved stabilized altitude at but a lower But everyone inside level. of the plane has thrown up. Yes. Yeah. It smells in there. <laughs> it's a little rocky. <laughs> Um, the flight attendants are not doing great, <laughs> but you know we're not going down. Exactly. Yet. We're not crashing this plane. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah. Then we're at their house. Yes. Where there is a John Travolta Saturday Night Fever poster. I was going to say I made I made an actual comment when I was watching yeah. this that the I have to talk about John Travolta being in this film. For yes. Just a brief moment. It was yeah. the only thing I could think about. Yeah. For like five minutes after, I'm just like, you're rewinding it over. Gotta put it. That's we gotta talk about. It. <laughs> like, gotta talk about the Saturday Fever yeah. poster. 
Um, it is funny though because this is such like a Gen X movie, and that feels like kind of out of time for this, right? It would have been kids, but also Janine Garofalo's character loves um, things from her childhood. That's she loves fair. like Charlie's yeah. Angels, and she dresses up in this. Oh, she does have the Charlie's Angels lunchbox, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, so she's like into vintage knickknacky stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny, just like that, you know, the way culture has shifted that we still call that vintage. Like it's the we still would consider vintage the same time period that they would consider vintage. Yes, but also it's interesting because like there's a huge '90s resurgence happening right yeah. now, and that yeah. was what she was like. Our parents were coming up in the '90s. Mm. Her parents were coming up in the '50s. Because there's always um, that argument that like culture kind of froze around like 2005, 2010, mm. um, and that like if you look at a picture from like 2007 of people on a street, it roughly looks the same as a picture of people on the street nowadays. Mm-hmm. Less cell phones. Yeah, like yeah. cell phones just kind of the advent of cell phones and like just a global internet connected culture just kind of slowed things down in the way that mm-hmm. cultures can shift and change so quickly. Um I mean, you were saying like 90s becoming like more vintage. It was seeing all these TikToks about early 2000s becoming vintage that made me do the Tim Allen uh, look in Santa Claus. Yeah, where you just age immediately. I just age immediately (laughs) and grow a white beard. Like, ugh. I have to hear. jeans are back. Jelly (laughs) shoes, they're a thing again. Oh, God. (laughs) Butterfly clips. I hear the dial-up internet tone again. <laughs> I, <swear. laughs> I will punch a child. <laughs> My mom yelling from the kitchen. I'm you, trying to use the phone. phone. <laughs> I need to use the phone. You will, do, you will do to a child what she does to doctors <laughs> <laughs> and rip his head off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So but yeah, we check in with all their lives after after they've graduated college. Um, I, I have a hunch that we're going to get to this point very, very quickly that in terms of plot talking, yes. that once we reach a certain point, it's going to be like, and then they live. And that's the movie. Yes. <laughs> like this it, movie is well, a lot Stuart, of just Stuart, Stuart. <laughs> this movie is a bunch of bites. Right. But all right. it all kind of like, I don't know about you guys, but I think well, everything is meshing together. I do think naturally we're just going to kind of talk about character to character. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're going to... Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. argue that it's a lot of gulps. Yes. A lot of gulps. Lots a lot of gulping. Of... There's a very 90s comment about how uh, all she needs is to wake up and have a big gulp, you know? One yeah. drink a day, all of you nutrition for the morning. And clearly that's a nod to having an eating disorder. Yes. Yeah. And then Ben Stiller goes on to say, oh, I, it's hard, hard to believe someone your size can drink 40 ounces of anything. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, again, nodding to her probably having an eating yeah. disorder. And yeah. Because the movie it's the has 90s. not much interest in uh, delving into that. Mm-hmm. It's, this, this whole movie is kind of just surface level observations. Yeah. And people being mm-hmm. like, whoa. I was going to say that too. Because like, I mean, again, it does have a little bit of, you know, conversation on like the AIDS topic, but not, yeah. not really to the point of like, it's not interested in really delving into it. Yeah. It's not the, the raw like conversation of what it the, was. Back the AIDS storyline in this movie is, um, God, it would be so terrible if I had AIDS. Guys, yeah. I don't have AIDS. Would that be a bummer? Oh, yeah. I'm so sad at the possibility. But good news guys, I don't have it. And that's, and, and then and we never it. talk about AIDS again. Right. And that's, that's pretty much it. But there's like that whole scene where they're talking about astronomy. Um, and it's like, <laughs> Morgan is already losing it. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's like, I just want to look at the stars, but I hate all the math. 
<laughs> Bro, you're in a collegiate level astronomy class. I don't know what your expectations are. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you just like looking at the stars, bro, buy a telescope. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just want to say, I am opposed to capital punishment. <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> what could this be prefacing? I think execution is bad, and we as an American culture should not do it. I do think exceptions have to be made <laughs> for some of the characters in this movie. We need to get rid of. We, we might have to deal with some of these people. Okay. Okay. Um, I do kind of think we maybe need to get rid of both Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke. Definitely, dude. Uh, Ethan yes. Hawke says some of the most offensive things to my yes. Nona writer that I've ever heard a man say mm-hmm. to a woman, and then she still took him in the end. And I that, was so mad. That that was my biggest thing with because my thought with watching this movie of uh, uh, seeing like her going between like Michael and Ethan and uh, or Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke. And I'm thinking, okay, if this movie were being real, like it would end with her going to Ethan Hawke for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be a horrible breakup mm-hmm. where shit gets thrown out on the lawn. And then she ends up marrying Ben Stiller in the end anyway. Exactly. Mm. Like that's what really happens. It's yes. like, you have to like stumble through an Ethan Hawke to figure out you deserve a Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know if you deserve a Ben Stiller. Okay, maybe not a Ben Stiller like in this way, but like uh, the th- the third man, the third, yeah, <laughs> the third unnamed man. You need to level up. It's, yes, the it's the Operation Third Man, which is there is no third man. All men are shit. <laughs> exactly. I, I, the entire time I was watching it, I was like, she's got to just you know, she finds herself at the end. It's, yeah. it's yes. the worst person in the world. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was the nineties. It, w- it was. <laughs> no, she does find the worst person in the That's world. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. very true. And I don't know if that's like, if it's just how the character's written or if Ethan Hawke's really doing a great job at showing how awful of a person he is. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell. It's like, I can't tell if I hate Ethan Hawke because I hate Ethan Hawke or if I can't tell if I hate Ethan Hawke because I love Ethan Hawke. The thing like, about <laughs> Ethan Hawke in real life is that he's basically always really this annoying. Should we say but like it's the kind famous, of charming. Should we, yes. always, should we say the famous like Cole Bradley quote from In a Valley of Violence? Yes. Have you listened to our In a Valley of Violence episode? I haven't. Sorry. The Western, Ethan Hawke protagonist, mm-hmm. and Cole Bradley's on this episode. And I'll never forget, it was a great line. He said, like, here's the problem with Ethan Hawke playing like a cowboy in the Old West. He said, Ethan Hawke is a face of a guy who knows what a latte is. <laughs> it's, it's, right? Isn't that yeah. that was yeah. like, okay, I gotta is, I gotta yeah. I gotta give that to Cole. That was that was a that was a really good line. And so I that stuck with me. The, the thing about Ethan, I watched this clip recently. Um my my wife um who is a cinematographer and works in camera departments um was showing me this clip of Ethan Hawke, who she likes a lot, but he was talking about directors nowadays and how cinematography works in a film and he's like i get that it's a visual medium but they're also concerned about shot list and getting the shot and was, there's never any thought considered about what's the what's my motivation like, uh, that's... What, like what is my like why am i moving over there is it just a, so the shot looks good why do i why am i moving over there cinematography at the end of the day it's not it's not a true art like what we're doing. And I'm like, ah. all right, Ethan. Uh, all right, does he not Ethan. understand how collaborations work? Yes. That's his end of the, the job. Bargain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And their oh, end yeah, of the yeah. job e- is to make it work with the mise en scene. Yeah, e- Ethan, you want like a wide shot where you just walk around and do what you want? Sure, we can do that pacing. for you. Um, he's pacing and sweating. <laughs> he's absolutely just drenched. You're like, what am, why am I here? Why am I, what, what am, am I, I doing, doing here? <laughs> but it's kind of that where he is really this annoying in real life. Um, but he is just, it's kind of charming in real life when he's not being malicious. 
uh, which I hope he's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we said like Ethan and 2016 had a face who knew what a latte is. Yes. Ethan in 1993 has a face who of a man who has to be at rehearsal. He, he has the face of a man who has not watched. <laughs> he has the face of a man. Yeah, right. Yeah. He has the face of a man who hasn't washed his face in several weeks. <laughs> The mustache is so oily. Yeah. He at best maybe took a paper towel and kind of dotted <laughs> around. It just has the consistent cigarette smell with his fingers and yes. hands. Yep. Oh man. I have rehearsal in five minutes, guys. I can't He's go. got a stain on his shirt. You can't quite tell what it's from. It's such a bummer because much like Winona Ryder, I would have hooked up with him when I was 22. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, ah, like, we all made that choice. It's a little bit true to form that she ends up with him. If only that they have to break up in the horrible breakup in a year. They mm. have to just kind of destroy the whole friend group. Yeah. It's all going to fall apart. Exactly. That's ha- that's what has to happen. This this movie is um you know it's it's just it's the last happy times before the fall it's like American Graffiti where it ends and you're mm. like oh it's so happy and then the titles come up and it's like they all died. <laughs> she, it was a false positive for yeah. it was false positive for Janine. She did actually have AIDS. Yeah, she actually did have AIDS. <laughs> Steve Zahn would get AIDS or something. It'd be awful. Well, it's like, <laughs> like Steve Zahn. His his parents Steve Steve ostracized Zahn. him after he came out, got really depressed. And Steve Zahn was shot by the LAPD after a seven hour standoff in a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, wait a second. What's so going well. on? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's going on here? That's what reality bites. <laughs> um, Man. But what we're talking about is not the reality of reality bites. See, if it was reality bites in 2022, it'd be like after graduation, they're all having a last celebration. It's like, we're all going to stay friends after this. And you never see your college friends again. Mm-hmm. Like hardly ever. Janine Garofalo's character is a TikTok influencer. Yeah. A fashion influencer. Um, Ethan Hawke is a DJ. Oh, oh my God. Okay, this is actually really fun. We can make this This happen. is actually really, really fun. Uh, and w- Winona is... Well, see, Winona in this movie is kind of a trust fund baby. She is a trust fund baby. It's yeah, not she, touched upon enough. It's not. Until well, the gas card incident. Well, the gas card incident, there's like the little scene where they're like, you're going to take my BMW or whatever, like in the, di- yeah. the dinner the scene. The be- Yeah. And uh, how she gets the job at like the TV station. Uh, yeah, so she's like a trust fund baby. So in 2022, she's definitely like a trust fund baby who gets a job on a, as a PA on a TV show. Yes. Who's like cosplaying poor? You know, she like yeah. looks like she's from the streets, yeah. but she has tickets to Coachella every year. Yeah, exactly. God, I can't believe it, guys. Look at all this money I'm spending. Ugh, my dad on my dad's has to gas give card. me a BMW. My <laughs> oh life is hard. It is very hard. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in this movie kind of sucks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like Winona's probably the most. I mean, Steve Zahn's the most likable of the four. I was going to say, I can't think of a 2022 Steve Zahn only because, like, yeah, it's just. I don't know. No, 2022 Steve Zahn, it's just 1994 Steve Zahn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the exact same. He's the exact same person. It's just, he's like the bisexual who works at your coffee shop. Yeah. You love him and you love to see him. He <laughs> plays D&D on the weekends. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, con- a consistent rock in your life. Yeah. Who never gets checked on enough. 
because yeah. he's always a supporter. Yeah. He's always the supporter. Yeah. What's going on? But you don't know that he's going yeah. through his own struggles. Exactly. Like we learned at the end of this movie. He's having, seemingly having this entirely off screen battle with telling <laughs> his parents. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know he was gay until that point in the movie where he comes out to his mom and I'm like, oh, because all right, nobody good for him, man. asks him in exactly. the movie. At one point, someone says, like, what are you doing here, man? Yeah. It's like, like, you, you don't live, live here. here. He's like, I can't go home. Yeah. He just keeps appearing at their house. <laughs> the oh, scene man. where they're trying, where they like yell at Winona Ryder on the couch, though, him and Janine. Yeah. He was so funny in it. Just yeah. like the Tremendous. way he responded to the moment was so good. I will, I'm also going to be 100%. I watched this movie about an hour ago <laughs> on five hours of sleep. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, with no coffee. Oh, man. Uh, because we ran out. So I'm a little foggy on some no, of the No, well, that's details. what I was going to say. It's like, I think you said it best that the talk about this movie is really just to talk about each of the characters. Yes. Because if you try to get into like business plot, it's just all. There is no of, plot. There is no plot. It's, it's a just bunch of them stress. It's melodrama. At some yeah. point, like she, she throws a cigarette in Ben Stiller's oh car, God. gets into a car accident. Ben Stiller's on the phone with a lawyer about suing Winona. And then he's like, Nah, you're so nice. That would not happen in 2022. No, <laughs> yeah. no. no, you'd have to call the cops. You get your insurance involved. It'd be a whole fucking mess. Um, Doctor Zayas would survive. Doctor Zayas would survive. If these characters were in 2022, um, I imagine Ben Stiller's character as that guy who says Pookie all the time on Instagram. Mm. You know who I'm talking? I haven't. I don't. I'm not uh, <laughs> on TikTok really, but I've seen uh, videos of the Pookie guy, and that's who I want Ben Stiller's character. Uh, ben, to be. ben Stiller would be sell, my mouth. Ben Stiller instead of would be selling crypto. Oh, he would so be in he'd crypto. Be, he'd be an NFT guy. And yeah, he would have a podcast. He would have a, a monkey profile pic the and end, everything. Yeah, and the end of this movie would be him buying her art to turn it into an NFT. Oh, instead yes. of yeah, that would be the modern reality. Yes. Let's make this. Okay, yeah. we have the means. <laughs> reality bites, but it's spelled with like a Y. Yes, exactly. Oh. Uh, fuck, Jeff. We're we're all on to something. <laughs> <laughs> ben Stiller, call us up. We're gonna make reality bites, and then um, check back in in 2026 when I am tried at the Hague for this idea <laughs> and sentenced to, to summary execution. But the thing is, is like you have to cast all the same people, but as 24 year olds. It's like the wet hot American summer thing. Yes, yes. it's exactly the wet hot American summer thing. You know, Ethan Hawke comes back for films over and over again. Yeah, it's his whole thing. So yeah. we can get him. Ethan Hawke's whole thing is saying that he's like a true art guy, but then he's also in Moon Knight <laughs> <laughs> and The Purge. Anyone watch Moon Knight? No. No. I watched Moon Knight. <laughs> it's watch really funny that. that he's in it. Yeah. I was so curious. And I was like, the first episode was pretty good, and then the rest of it was so bad. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, it ends with like a giant alligator fighting. Uh, okay, that sounds sick. Skeleton over the pyramids in Egypt. Hell yeah. And Ethan Hawke is like doing kung fu <laughs> it's crazy wait that sounds incredible <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the horrible thing about marvels they can make great ideas look horrible yeah it looks screen. like yeah. shit yeah um eternals just think about that movie on paper sounds yeah. pretty good and it turned out to be a dog shit i movie. i turned cole bradley I I put something in Cole Bradley's head that he th still thinks about to this day. What is that? We've talked about anything but reality bites today. <laughs> we talked about reality bites. What you get for booking someone who has ADHD? <laughs> no, I think this is good juice. <laughs> We're cooking. Um, I told Cole that Internals is a movie about a bunch of sad robots who are trying to decide if they want to die, and it cannot be as bad as people say it is. So that's the plot. Anyway. Anyway. Winona. Winona. So she's working as a PA 
at a um like a morning a talk show. Yeah. What do they call it? Like Mr. Like Good Morning Grant. Good or morning something. Grant. Yeah. yeah. This is the evil Mr. Rogers. This is the he it's the dad from Frasier. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I could not unsee him as the dad from Frasier in this role. He's, My he's wife walked through the room when that scene happened and pointed at the screen and said, He's from Chicago and then left. That's um, incredible. That I didn't know that. <laughs> important information I learned about this man. Yeah. Um Shout out the the Windy City. She forgets to get him an espresso, and I've never felt more seen in my entire life. <laughs> but they were live. Yeah. They were on air. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's honestly, I gotta salute what Winona's doing in this movie because this is a very accurate rendition of what it's like to be a PA. Coming from a PA myself, mm-hmm. um, forgetting to get your boss an espresso when they asked for it. Yeah, yeah. and then there's just like, guys, where's my espresso? <laughs> come guys, on, come on, guys. give me a heater. Yeah, get it together. Double heater. Yeah, double heater salute yeah <laughs> um but i do like that he comes up to her and she's like didn't you see my memo the espress yourself memo mm-hmm. about getting your own espresso and he looks just looks at her and is like i want to fire you and then he walks away but doesn't because she's a nepo baby but yeah yeah uh, I've been no, watching she's... a lot of the Muppets lately, like the original The Muppet Show. And there's that, I fucking love it so much, dude. Uh, but there's the <laughs> ongoing bit in every episode where there's the, the gopher guy and yeah. Kermit's like, oh, what do you want? And he goes, my uncle owns this theater. And Kermit's like, whatever you need, <laughs> whatever you want, I will make it happen for you. <laughs> and it has that energy. Nice. Um, But yeah, it's, I like that she does have this like, you know, aspirational she's the only one of them who's kind of working within the industry that she wants to work in yeah because like ethan hawk is just like bumming around uh gene gruffalo is working at the gaff and steve zahn is just kind of ethereal he's hanging out in the closet he's seemingly, yeah, he's up until out. this point is just locking himself he's indoors. Seem, yeah. yeah he seemingly leaves the house and has no external life yeah. <laughs> uh, just dis- disapparates into sparkles and then comes yeah. back. He's actually just a figment of their imagination. He's not real. He's the group hallucination. Oh, he's, he's like the um, Hannibal Burress in that movie Tag where people thought he was green screened into the movie because he never inter- <laughs> he never interacts with any of the other characters. <laughs> um, but, um, but I do- Is this movie good? Let's start there. I don't know. It was entertaining. Would I say it's good? I'm not sure. I think it's entertaining. I think it's maybe like a soft <laughs> gentleman six. I would say that. Gentleman six or maybe a soft seven if I'm feeling really generous. Ooh. I would give characters a seven, but yes. with, uh, holding on to the six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there's like firm I, six. Firm six for me. Even if I overall think you know, the movie is very dated now, mm-hmm. um, mostly in its attitudes. I do just kind of still find tracking the, these characters entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winona, I think, is really effective in this movie. It, she is very good. She's I think it's one of her best performances that we've seen thus far. Wow. Interesting. Um, okay. I think she's having a lot of fun. Yeah, we talked about House of Spirits last week, right? Yeah, don't even talk to me about the House of the Spirits. I cannot talk about the House of the Spirits anymore. It's actually just Steve Zahn. Yeah, he was the spirit. Yeah, no, Glenn Close is the spirit who appears in one scene as a ghost, and then never. Why would you have Glenn Glenn Close on your ticket and use her in one scene? Morgan, what a waste! Glenn Close is she's in the first half of the movie, and then she commits suicide, and then she appears as a ghost, and then she's never in the movie again. Never mentioned. What the 
fuck is this? This movie is so. I weird. have so many questions. Yeah. Meanwhile, Winona's like trapped in a in a concrete room, being beaten by her half brother through like a rape. Um, uh, the the entirety of Chile is being destroyed by a military coup, and they're smuggling Antonio Banderas to Canada. No! Meryl Streep's like appearing in the stars to Winona, being like, "You will make it through this." <laughs> That was a fever dream. Yeah. You had a fever dream. But Reality Bites, yeah, I'd say soft six. And Winona's very good in this movie. It was just like, it's hard to to not enjoy bits and pieces of any coming-of-age movie. Um, I especially have a soft spot for for coming-of-age films. This is a came-of-age movie. Came-of-age movie. And now we're checking out what happens after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I think coming-of-age is like a term is broad. Yeah. Because you can say coming of age, it's like coming of what age? Like coming of age is like, we think naturally it's like, oh, it's like coming of adult age. It's growing mm. up. So like coming of age films, we think like Stand By Me or uh, like where you're kids and you become adults. But I think of coming of age of like, you know, learning how to be in retirement age mm. or learning how to be, you know, your kids have just left the house and you're empty nesters now. Like mm. there's so many variations of coming of age. And that's where I kind of felt this is like, okay, now they're in the coming of age of we're out of college. We don't know how to do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that. That's my, that's my bit. That's yes. my two cents. Sure. You could just call them transitional films. Transitional. Yeah. Films. Yeah. yeah. Because I kind of, the, the thing I find interesting about the movie and the part that I do like about it is the, continue with what you were saying like Winona did a lot of coming of age films in the 80s yeah like others you can even consider her storyline in Beetlejuice um 1969 Lucas everything basically everything she did was in some way a coming of age film welcome home Roxy Carmichael um in theory you can say Great Balls of Fire is a coming of age movie Ooh. but for all the wrong Uh, This is a movie about how she has not come of age to be in a relationship with Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, that that great balls of fire. And you're like, oh, this movie's going to be about how this is bad. Priscilla. Um, You think it's going to be Priscilla. But the whole movie's like, oh, Jerry Lee just love his little girl. And you're like, oh, no. And the movie's like very forgiving and is like, no, it's fine that this happened. Oh, man. Did um, Weinstein produce it? What happened there? It almost could have been. But the movie ends like the credits, like with any like biopic text at the very end of how the person's living now or what happened later in life ends with them be like, and Jerry Lee, the king of rock (laughs) and roll roll. is still playing to this day. And it's like, he's a child molester. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that man's a pedophile. <laughs> he just sold out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, it's great. But they're coming of age. Yeah. But I like that looking at this as like a, a, a post coming of age film. It's like you've gone through your crucible of turning into an adult. You're, you know, you've you passed the trials. You're an adult. You came of age. What's the next step? And the next step for all these characters is learning, you know, as most people do that it's not nearly as like rewarding it's not the land of oz that you think you're going to find at the end of the yellow brick road you go through all those trials and you're just like oh there's just more trials mm-hmm. it's endless sisyphean pushing the rock up the hill mm-hmm. is what this movie's going for so i like it in conversation with her run of coming of age films and it's kind of like all right and all those movies winona at the end has figured out what she wants to do and who she's going to be roxy carmichael or um veronica cartwright 
whatever I say Veronica Carey, but her name is Veronica in Heathers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just looking at what's the next step for those characters is thinking that they've overcome this massive mountain in front of them. And now it's like, oh, okay, but to be an artist, I have to work as a PA on this shitty talk show. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I went to all these graduate level astronomy courses and studied as a musician, but now I'm just playing in like a grunge bar and otherwise don't really have many prospects. I got fired for stealing a Snickers bar. Janine Ruffalo um, winds up working at the Gap and actually finds satisfaction becoming the manager at the Gap. Mm-hmm. That's I. That's where I thought that storyline was going to be like the most fulfilling for me. Yeah. Where it's like they all have these like crazy wild dr- dreams, and then there's Janine who's just like, "No, I'm 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 great." Well, she is. Yeah. And, and then it's like ripped by by Winona Ryder's character. Yeah. What do you yeah. think I'm going to do? Work at the Gap? Gap? Yeah. And it's like you freaking rich kid, you privileged piece of. Yeah. The people, gap is necessary. There yeah. are people who can find satisfaction in, like, yeah, maybe Jean Griffel did have bigger, high-minded ideals um, through college, but she found satisfaction where she landed. Yeah. And find satisfaction outside of work with her family and her friends. Yeah, some people's dreams aren't work-related Aren't career-based. They're not career-based. It's what you do after the nine-to-five on mm-hmm. the weekends. And... In some way, the movie is encouraging of that viewpoint um, with the Jean Gruffalo. But then it's also like with the Ethan Hawke storyline simultaneously critiquing that ideal. Yeah, with his hostility to Ben because Stiller's he character. comes back in a suit at the end. Oh, yeah. And that's like the big triumph is like, okay, he's finally like settled down. But he's in the suit because he's going to his dad's funeral. I know, but it just feels like a very deliberate he choice. He wore a brown suit to a funeral. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. That's so weird. It's really disrespectful to his father. Yeah. Um, well, his father, they had a bad relationship. Perhaps it is intentional disrespect. Every yeah. Gen X son had a bad relationship with their father. That's true. <laughs> That's Mitch, true. Mitch McConnell did 15 minutes on the Senate floor about Ethan Hawke's brown suit that he wore. Um, <laughs> Fox um, News did an hour-long yeah, segment hour-long on special it. about yeah. the brown suit. The brown they suit ain't got gate. No respect these days. <laughs> yeah. No respect at all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do think that. Even if it is like he's coming from the funeral, the fact that they put him in that suit when he fi- when Winona finally like kind of accepts him mm-hmm. feels very deliberate of the movie 1, to be 000%. like, yeah, he has to he had to settle down and kind of like man up mm-hmm. um, to be his, worthy because his dad died and his girl rejected him. Yeah, but like the girl that he like verbally harassed, yeah. he said horrible things to. Yeah, yeah, finally took him. But don't worry, he put a suit on. Yeah, and this movie's interpretation of. Um, like manning up and like overcoming his personal trials is seemingly like yeah he just has to get a job. But at the end, there's like a voicemail from her dad, right? I I don't remember yeah. what it said. He said, "Why do I have all this money on my gas card?" Oh yeah, okay, that's what it was. I, I for some reason I'm like connecting that to him getting a job, but he sort of flubbed. Yeah, it's just like a, f- a final little like gotcha. Yeah, gas card. Yeah, it's it's the Home Alone two uh, Culkin. Have I- Kevin, why are there six thousand dollars of room service? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, this movie just has so many like thinking back. Then I'm gonna remove my soft seven uh, conversation and just stick it with the gentleman six. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it holds um, a solid six. Because now thinking about like what the movie ultimately is saying, um, I'm kind of just like, ugh. Because you think it's getting to this point of like everybody finds satisfaction in their own way in life. Like there's no one path, um, which is a nice idea and a good idea that if the movie had committed to it, I would have been 
you know all on board for but if it does ultimately line up with like the yeah everyone can find their own path but it does have to involve you picking a career and finding a job and you know manning up and dressing nice Mm -hmm. like have have an ideal like but what career did he even pick it's never clearly established and you know that she's still floundering too yeah they're both ultimately still struggling they're just making out yeah that's what matters They you found- pick someone to make out with and you ride the line. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the and like it, it's it, kind of non-committal about whether the movie is opposed to selling out or because you know she refuses to sell out to Ben Stiller. Mm. But then is not Ethan Hawke in his final form selling out his ideas. I think it's hard for a film that has as many brand placements as this yeah. one does to yeah. argue that it's not cool to sell out. Yes. <laughs> Considering there's a whole scene where they talk about big gulps. And there's like a Pizza Hut box at one point. There are yeah. so many brands in this film. Yeah. I think I think that is maybe probably unintentionally a thing that's being said about the movie is that generational X, the slacker generation saw it as being like, we're against the capitalist ignores man. And then it's like, you guys want to buy a pizza? Like Mm -hmm. that, like that encapsulates what like the generation X slacker is. It's like, I I read um, this great book last year. uh, It was called the nineties by Chuck Klosterman. um, Who's a, like kind of a, forget what you even fucking call i'm so tired right now um it's like i also got five hours of sleep yeah i finished a paper last night at three in the morning i got nine. Oh, well-rested wow. steward over here <laughs> i'm so fine <laughs> well rested uh, chuck austin is an essayist that's the word i'm like okay cool. he's like right and it's like a book of essays about the concept of the 90s and his big argument is like the thing about the 90s is that it was the quote-unquote end of history like the Soviet Union fell in 1991, America was triumphant, the economy was booming, um, and it just oh, kind of looked this like. This is when you get to talk <clears throat> about Bill Clinton. Yes, yes, yes it is. I'm ready. Hi, uh, Stewart. <laughs> but it it Hi, just <laughs> it basically just um, to the average American, it kind of just looked like this. This is it. This is the end of history. Like America is triumphant. We did it. We did we're it, we're the we're the only superpower in the world. We control the world economy. Mm-hmm. Everything is kind of set in our way. There's never going to be another big war. Except the one on our own turf, and it's yes. on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. We're ta- we're taking them out. We got uh, you know, incredible crime bills that we're passing. It's a great well, they're, my, era. they're victorious in that way, in the sense that the prison rates are extremely high. Yeah. yeah. So no, I would say the nineties are still thriving. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Um, one could even say that the current president of the United States is an artifact of the 90s. Oh, um, <laughs> wax figure of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, the the idea that that affects the psyche of this nation where it's like, okay, we're just kind of at the end point now. There's nothing exciting to look forward to in the future. It's just like we're just kind of at the plateau of um, where we're going to where we're going to wind up. And so so many movies, especially in 1999, are about that idea of, like, we're stuck in this, you know, just straight line of we're on top and there's not really anything coming up. The Matrix is about oh, feeling you, complacent. You said it right there. I was like, well, there's the Matrix right there. Yeah, the Matrix is about feeling complacent. Fight Club is about, you know, you're just stuck in this routine in a world that's, you know, pretty perfect at this point. Um, obviously, all this is shattered by 9-11 happening mm-hmm. and history kind of being like, no, it's not done, you fucking idiots. Um, We've been committing violent wars yes. this whole time. Yeah, the entire yeah. time. And now you're you're paying for your, your sins. Um, 
but I think this movie fits very much into that mold of in the nineties of all these characters just being like, yeah, you know, like what else is there? We're just kind of hanging out, talking about the stars now. That's all we got left. Drinking soda. Drinking some big gulps. What what could be better than this? <gasps> a reality TV show. Yeah. About your friends. Yeah. Let's just do that. But we'll do a reality TV show, and then we'll make a, a TV show adaptation of the reality TV show. I just got a cool new editing software. Let's play. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart, what if we filmed this episode, and then we made a, a, a documentary about this episode? About I have it. access to a Sony Handicam. Wow. Let's do it. That's that's a lot. Filmed the episode and made a reality yeah. show off. off yeah, but the then episode. we're going to play it on ABC. ABC. We all have to have like an intro moment where we like stand in front of a brick wall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then our name pops up in text. With 90s grunge but, text art. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To, yeah. to build on what you're saying, Morgan, like that is the perfect example of this idea is like that her big artistic contribution that she's putting together is I filmed my friends for a few months mm-hmm. and we're just going to play it and we're just all hanging out in our apartment and she doesn't have AIDS. Yeah. And that's the movie. That is the that's, greatest turmoil of this friend group. That, that's, she doesn't have AIDS. It's probably the most boring fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> like her, her documentary is yeah. probably <laughs> like, let's be honest here. Winona's movie probably sucks. <laughs> like It's probably awful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is why they had to cut the shit out of it. Yeah. To get it on the TV show. Look, Ben Stiller's rendition of it is, you know, it's, the peak of selling out like it looks awful. I mean, awful. it's the real world. That's yeah. what he made. It looks awful, but at the same time, do we, I don't want to sit there, turn on MTV in the year of our Lord, 1994, and what I'm presented with is home videos taken across several months in Texas of, in Texas of four people living in an apartment. That are aimless. Yeah. They have no personal drive. It's like... All right, guys, what are we going to check in this week on the reality show? And when Ona just walks in, she's like, my boss is an asshole. Troy finally did the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Troy's like, remember that time we hooked up? She's like, I was drunk. And you're like, some juice. Wow. <laughs> hands over the oh, fire. Oh, put cake yeah. on her face. This is so entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just what, what is, what's the end goal? Like, I'm glad, I'm glad she's, you know, expressing herself and making her, like, what's the end goal here? Um. Well, I, th- I think that's the point. Is L- there really is L- no, Lilena? There, there is no real like end goal. Yeah, because uh, it it's as you were saying, Jeff. It's like we're thinking about like oh, we're we're s- static right now. Yes, and so we think about like well, what's going to happen in like five to ten years. Well, it's like no. well, nothing's going to happen in five to ten years. It's going to be the exact same. We're going to document the static time. Yeah, it sounds like extremely boring. Yeah, I do want to see these characters. Um, in 10 years post 9-11. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, like... Uh, Steve Zahn was killed in Operation... <laughs> I was going to say, who <laughs> goes to die, right? Who's in Afghanistan? Oh Steve, Steve Zahn was killed in the initial uh, invasion of Iraq. Ben uh, Stiller's character in the runs for, like a drone in the manufacturing company for, in the early stages, yeah, the early odds. He's a Raytheon executive <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, Lockheed and Martin. <laughs> oh, gosh. Winona is still making documentaries about her friends hanging out. <laughs> but they actually have <laughs> substance because the world is yeah, very different. They have things to talk about now. So they're all wearing face masks now. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same. Oh we we should just make reality bites with the Y as yeah. a sequel to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we check in all these characters. That's what we'll do. Troy is still in the exact same spot playing all the grunge uh, venues. We even say that like the 
Ethan Hawke's character, Troy Dyer, I yeah. think is actually... Isn't that Zac Efron in uh, High School Musical? Troy Bolton. Troy Bolton. Yeah, what the hell? Man? The hell? That is that question. Uh, <laughs> no room for that at the table. No room for that. We cannot get into high school music. But I guess his <laughs> oh, character don't, don't his character is based off a guy that Helen Childress actually knew and yeah. used his real name. And he actually sued. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, Helen over it. Um, what is he doing today? Uh, we can get the answers we seek. I'm sure we could get the answers. He's probably on Facebook. I'm doing some research, guys. He's yeah, on Facebook. There's, there's like a, a lawsuit because he actually used his real name, which I guess there was... I thought that she had got his permission to do that, but then it was the <coughs> um, portrayal of his character. Um, As a bum? That, yeah. Who's that, an asshole to his girlfriend? Right. Girl, which situationship? Makes you think about, like, okay, like, whose side of the story? Um, or what, what, how, what is Troy Dyer defending himself in? Like, is he defending himself as he was a piece of shit asshole or a <laughs> bum? Like, so yeah, I, I'm not sure. But very interesting. But they came to an agreement settlement, however it panned out. Yeah, and it, sad. It looks like the real Troy Dyer went to USC for film and then never um, worked in the industry. Mm. As mm. is the majority. what is it like to have a film degree and not work in the industry? Please tell me. <laughs> do you go to grad school to become a therapist? Is that uh, what you do next? That's what you do next. <laughs> it has to be the only other path. Yeah. <laughs> what if Tro- what if you ran into Troy Dyer? In a therapeutic yeah. setting. I'm like, whoa, you. You're the guy from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, don't talk about it. He still looks the same. He's in the brown suit. He's got the greasy mustache. Yeah. Oh my He's God. like, I haven't washed my face since 1992. And I'm keeping it going. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, We should talk about how Winona meets Ben Stiller. Um, just so, It's so funny. Yeah. Objectively funny. And then we should talk about the Ben Stiller plot line. Yes. Because she's basically just driving down the road, smoking a cigarette, and she throws it out the window. And what is the song they're blasting? Oh, God. What song What was they? the needle drop? There was a few needle drops in this. The U2 needle drop. So <laughs> the U2 needle <laughs> drop. Was the so oh, funny. yes. <laughs> the scene where they're dancing in the gas station. Uh, what? Which one was that one? Is it My Sharona? Yes. yes. My Sharona. Yes. yes. They're dancing in the gas station in My Sharona. That was one. I'm looking up... Um, Reality Bites, the cigarette incident, HD clip on YouTube. Good, good. Um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I also recommended video. What is your glitch? Inspiring quote, Reality Bites. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're they're driving. Um, She's supposed to throws the cigarette out the window. Ben Stiller notices it and crashes his car into hers. They wind up back in his uh, office in essentially an MTV knockoff station. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm going to sue you. And she's like, okay, what does that entail? And he's like, I'm not going to do it. You seem nice. So yeah. He also was the one who did it. Yeah. He crashed he, into the he, back of her yeah. car. He would be found liable. Yeah. yeah. Which he even Can says they it. prove that she threw the cigarette in there? If she denies it, I don't know if they can find that proof. But also, like, it wasn't an intentional. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I like think in, that he would have lost. It's like an anchor man when he throws the burrito out the window and hits Jack Black. Yes. Like, who's who's liable? Oh my gosh, uh, Niall, my partner who watched this with me, made an anchor man reference too. When she like gives the Grant guy the cards, yeah, with and he just starts reading off of them, and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm a piece of shit." Yeah. <laughs> Niall was like, "This is an anchor man." I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, was Anchorman inspired directly by Reality Bites? Shit. <sighs> Breaking news. It probably was. Um, 
but they're back in his office, um, and he's like, I'm not going to sue you, ostensibly because he's attracted to her. That That's basically the only reason, yeah. right? Um, and it works on her. Yeah, she falls no, for, she she, was, she she's joking. like, damn, okay, well, I'm damn. fucking this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and she immediately destroys his Dr. Zaya statue, um, which... To me, that hurt. Game fucking over. Yeah, if that happens, say Jeff. Like he was that, so kind. That'd be the yeah. last straw. If you break my Doctor Zaya statue, like disastrous. In fact, I am suing you. You did yeah. throw that cigarette. I'm gonna sue you not for the car, but for the damn emotional damages of this Doctor Zaya's assault yeah. upon me. Um, but no, they they go on a date. Um, they go out for dinner, right? Dinner and drinks. Yeah. Yeah. It was rest- a coffee thing. They say a coffee thing, but then they're in like a restaurant with fish. And they they drink big gulps. So yeah. There's no answers. There's the, there's no answers. Um, this movie plays very fast and loose with time. Mm-hmm. Um, her phone montage talking to the psychic I thought was one continuous thing, and then I quickly realized it's set over several weeks. <laughs> um, but she and Ben Stiller start to forge a relationship. She shows him her movie, her shitty movie. Um, <laughs> She loves it. <laughs> Which she's like, this it. is generationally defining. Which, he's like, the people need to see this. Which is a line. <laughs> like, he's that's just that's just him sitting no. in the production yeah. room, like trying to sell the script. <laughs> right. This is generationally yeah. defining. Morgan, you probably had a similar experience, and Stuart, you as well, where like someone who you meet and have like a kind of acquaintance like relationship with is like, you gotta see the thing that I've been cooking up. Yeah. And basically locks you in a room with it. And you're forced to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just say that about my short film, Jeff. No, I no. Your short film is good. Is the thing, oh, and we're you. friends. But this is like <laughs> usually people. This is usually someone here, like only kind of. No, I know to. exactly yep. what you're yep. saying. Yeah, it's the that's a Breaking Bad meme where Walter Jr. shows him like the. Um, the GoFundMe he's been making yeah. for his dad, but people like green screen over like a short film. He probably grants his face like <laughs> because like normally when this happens, like um, it's usually like, sometimes they're good. You, I've seen good things, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes it's just you're just kind of like, oh my god. Yeah. Or you while like, you're making the thing, yeah. with your friends, and you're like, oh, this is yeah, a yeah. that's this is a yeah, that's out. even. <laughs> When you've been, when you're on like friends like student film sets or even yeah. just like indie film sets or you're reading a script yeah. that they're cooking up and you're just like, uh, yeah, uh, how do I tell them this? I can't even. I've thankfully never had the experience of it being a date where that happened. Yes. Right. Yes. You just yeah. end up marrying um, them. <laughs> no, because he's like locked he's locked in. I can because like thankfully Ben Stiller likes it and yes. like really does go in for it. But this is yeah. like. Here, let me show you the thing I've been working on. And then oh he's gosh. trapped there watching home videos <laughs> for the next hour and a half. I have a problematic trend of my early 20s was dating so many musicians. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're like, you got to hear this thing we just recorded. It's the greatest thing we've ever recorded. And then it's just like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> he's yeah. like, yeah. You're so talented. Oh you guys are like, yeah, this so is great. <laughs> Love this. Yeah. <laughs> Killed you me. should send it to a different studio and get a second look. <laughs> <laughs> Except Ben Stiller is so locked into it. He's like, I'm going to pitch it to my guys. (laughs) The boys. (laughs) Yeah. And then he kind of disappears for like 20 minutes or so. I thought it was going to be he's married bit. 
like mm, just classic. for any time there's ever like a love interest and then the love interest disappears for the next hour of the movie it's like oh he's got another life mm-hmm. he's, he's pro- that's why it's like he's calling on a second there's always a second phone mm-hmm. the second phone the infamous he just doesn't know how cell phones work yeah <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just kind of a dink <laughs> yeah um because he kind of he disappears the next time we see him is the basically the phone call where he's on the cell phone inside of the phone booth mm-hmm. and it's just talking like um um. Oh, they love, I, I, they, they love it. They want to make it and air it on MTV every day. Your home videos. <laughs> She's like, great. Let's do it. And um, I could a, use the cash. And then it's a Pizza Hut commercial. Yeah, yeah. the Pizza Hut commercial. Yeah. Well, because we didn't say like she got fired from her PA job because yeah. she got sick and tired of the her boss who didn't like her. Yeah. So and she did the Ron Burgundy thing. Yeah. yeah she sabotaged his cue cards. I have I have a, a a very strong preference for little girls of that age. That yeah. was a really <laughs> funny line. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Um. And uh, she manages to make some money by buying gas for people using her dad's gas card. So he's paying off the card. And she would take people's cash and pay with her dad's card. So they were just giving her yeah. money. If someone came up to me and was like, hey, can I pay for your gas and you give me cash? I would have said, no. Yeah. What? <laughs> I think she, was she pumping it for them? Was that the exchange or was it straight up just? She just, she looks like she's just showing the card to people. I don't think she's like pretending to be a gas pumper. What um, a scam. Scam of the this century. This is like scam of the century right here. <laughs> Yeah, which is why she falls for the Bitcoin guy. Yes, it's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all just a big grift. <laughs> we we do love the grift, though. We have to respect the grift. <laughs> Our next guest has arrived, folks. Oh yeah, you're doing, you're you're doubling down today. Oh yeah, we do we're doing double duty. Wait, what is the what is the next one? The House of the Spirits. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have so much juice about yeah. you today for that film. I didn't realize it was coming right after. Yeah, you audience members, you've already listened to our House of the Spirits episode. We're recording it out of order today. So you guys uh getting the hot takes. What is going on? <laughs> what is happening? Um it's okay. great. So okay. God, I need to get back on track with <laughs> fucking Ben Stiller. Well, I think we're getting pretty close. We're getting close to the end here. Yeah. Uh, so um, he sells it out as like a Pizza Hut ad, and she gets rightfully pissed about it, even though like maybe yeah. it was better. We don't know. <laughs> we didn't have we don't, access. Because she leaves before it finishes. All she watches is the opening credits. Yeah. And then there's like a part where it's like, my parents divorced, divorced, divorced. All these crazy sound effects start playing. You know what the answer I to life liked is? It. <laughs> the, ans- the answer to life is pizza. Pizza. <laughs> pizza. pizza. Um, and then she goes home distressed, and Ethan Hawk's there, and they fuck. And then he ditches her th- that morning. He does another shitty thing to her. Another yes. shitty thing. Um, and so And so she goes to his club where he plays. Yeah, somewhere in this time, Janine Ruffalo is like, "Guys, I don't have AIDS," and it's kind of really tossed off. <laughs> Boom! She's yeah, it's pointless uh, at this point. Uh, and then Ben Stiller shows up at the bar. Yes, Ethan Hawke is like, but he's wearing a, a leather jacket now, so we know. He's I know cool. that leather jacket. We I know he's cool. audibly guffawed when I saw it. I don't know. When I look at Ben Stiller, I think cool, <laughs> very cool. Uh, and so then he's like apologizing to her, be like, "Hey, 
like, I'm very sorry. Why don't I, I got us tickets to go to where? Um, they're going to go to New York okay. and show the authentic version of the show to all the New York suits. Yeah. Which seems like a nightmare scenario. It does. Showing uh, a bunch of guys in a boardroom in suits, your then, home videos. I, I need to keep emphasizing that it is just home videos. <laughs> it's not really even a movie. It's no. just home videos. Yeah. And uh, then Ethan Hawke comes up. It's like, are you going to tell him? And he's like, can I talk to you privately? He's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, um, you left me this morning, so he's cooler than you. And then he's like, oh, okay, bet. And then he gets on stage and does the uh, fuck you, Fiona bit from Shameless. Yeah. Um, but no, he gets up and it's just like. Uh, the most offensive violent femme song. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is he even saying? He's like, she doesn't want to fuck. She doesn't want to fuck. Mm-hmm. She fuck. She fuck. Like, that's, that's, the whole, that's the whole song. Yeah. Is essentially. <laughs> it's so painfully offensive. Yeah. It's, distri- it's despicable stuff. I will never forget the line earlier in the film where he like walks up to her and he's like, I'm madly in love with you. And then he <sighs> laughs. That's what you want to hear? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. I am actually curious if the uh, um, Scotty doesn't know from Euro Trip is based on the sequence. Huh. Um, because that's very similar energy, except mm-hmm. that's Matt Damon yelling about how he's been sleeping with her girlfriend the whole time. Um, but she she storms out and manages to disappear uh, because the two guys run out after and they can't find her anywhere. Ben Stiller drops the plane tickets. Yeah, in the wa- in the in a puddle. Yeah. There's kind of this implication that he is connecting with Janine Garofalo. Did we pick up on this? Because like the two of them are sitting together at the bar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But then we we never we never talk about that again. Right. It's just kind of implication. Like maybe the two of them? Question mark. Question mark. Um. But he Ethan Hawke takes one of the plane tickets, right? No, he does not. He doesn't. No, I thought he did. No, because because the next scene shows him going to the airport. Well, yes. he's going to his dad's funeral. The Chicago mentioned. Yeah, Chicago mentioned. Chicago mentioned. Um, but he he we just cut to him at the airport going to Chicago. We don't know why. Um, in the story, we but feel we, just as distressed as yes. Winona. But we're back with Winona, and she's like trying to find him. And she goes to the club and sees a guy who kind of looks like him, another greasy scuzz bum. Um, and it's just, <laughs> they hang out in cool places. That's how you know they're cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um and and is like <gasps> and then he turns around it's not oh. like, oh, right. but then she goes to Steve Zahn yes he's like tell me where he is and he's like he's in Chicago Chicago, <laughs> Chicago. he's in Chicago uh, um, and so I she, really wanted just a moment where we see him here you know yeah but it's fine it's fine yeah. it's a big budget and then Steve Zahn just deapparates from existence and whisks out the window like like the Sandman. <laughs> His role is accomplished. Uh, that she flies to Chicago. No, she doesn't. No, she tries to leave for the airport and yeah. he's already there. Because she oh. runs in and she likes grabbing all of her coats. She grabs like Airport four. stuff in the 90s, you know? You That's can just right. grab your suitcase that day. And you just, don't have to go through the stress yeah. of making sure you have liquids that just are just small enough. Right. You know? Yeah. She grabs four jackets, puts them in a paper bag, and then, <laughs> make try, and then sees a cab outside and tries to run for it. Oh, man. Because she That's thinks what it's you her need in Chicago, right? Yeah. <laughs> four jackets and a paper. Like, that bag's going to rip on the plane. You should put that thing in the under seat compartment. You got, that's like a foot of clearance. <laughs> Like, Your jackets are just raw dogging the floor yeah, of the airplane. <laughs> like where all the worst diseases live in those in those airplane floors. Uh, um, yeah. 
but she makes it she runs outside and the cab pulls away and she's like no and then she turns around and finds ethan hawk in a brown suit slicked hair looking all right smoking employable. a pipe yeah looking, looking, looking employable. employable he's got a pipe instead of a cigarette yeah <laughs> he's authentic <laughs> he's got that pipe from national treasure that's like all the intricate drawings yeah. on it he just throws um, the match too, like yeah. really cool. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, my dad died. Immediate hitter with the guilt. <laughs> Immediate hitter with the guilt trip. Yeah. My dad died. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, puts things in perspective, don't it? <laughs> Dudes rock. And she's like, Dudes rock. And she's like, all right, I'll sleep with you. <laughs> Cuts to credits. Yes, we fuck. Cuts to credits. Yeah. Um, but that, that is essentially what it is. Well, it like, cuts to them. Yeah, I guess they do go inside and make out, and that's it. Yeah, and then yeah, she gets the voicemail out. from her dad, who's like, "Why do I have nine hundred dollars on the gas card?" I will say, at the beginning of the movie, he did not make a price stipulation. He, he did just not. said, "I will pay this off for a year." Just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Sounds fine to me. Yeah. Gas was pretty affordable at the time. So that yeah. was a lot of gas. <laughs> like, She's single-handedly like, pushing the oil crisis into what, the ground. Like $600 on the gas card. It's like that's like 3 tanks. <laughs> in in reality, in reality bites too. Um the actual follow-up to that is she has to go really in deep on this and pretend to be a doomsday stalker. Yes. She's like that's why I have so much gas. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the reality, it's in 2022. It's not gas card. It's they still pay for her phone bill. Yeah, <laughs> that's the reality of what that's it is now. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but then the end credits start, and we do get the little mid credit scene. Yeah. Um, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury comes out <laughs> and recruits um, um, Troy Dyer to join the Avengers 1995 edition. Wait, no, that was Steve Zahn's character the whole time. Yes, he's, he was actually he's actually working for, <laughs> for agent, he's an well. agent of Shield. <laughs> oh my god, he's a part of Monarch <laughs> Legacy of Monsters. Oh my lord, <laughs> good god! I am obsessed with that. That we just have organizations now like every show is about an organization we need more shows about organizations we need more shows openly talking about nato let's yes. go <laughs> yes nato more like nate toads my favorite nate toads i'd say my favorite movie about an uh like a rogue organization operating in the background adjustment bureau <laughs> because that's the one where it's like dudes in suits and you're like what is this and then they're like oh i work for god <laughs> We ha we have power over your will. <laughs> okay. Everything is predetermined. Sad. You're supposed to be the president, but you can't fuck Emily Blunt. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> the one stipulation. Oh, rats! <laughs> but but this minutes credit scene, um, a very meta moment for this movie, because it essentially implies that um, Ben Stiller takes their story and turns it into a fictitious TV show. He was always going to do it. That yeah. Which is always his funny enough. Which you were brought up st earlier, Stuart, actually happened because the real <gasps> Troy Dyer sues them for using his name and character. I did not yeah. think about that. <laughs> the movie is self critiquing. She's self aware. Itself. We love a self aware queen. It's become self aware now. Yeah. It's like Skynet. Um, <laughs> Another organization. <laughs> well, Skynet is not an organization. Right. It's cyber. Skynet is a queen played by Helena Bonham Carter in um, Terminator, Terminator Salvation. <laughs> Um, as Christian Bale loses his shit and starts throwing things at grips. Yeah, um, at the same time. 
Haven't we all wanted to do that at some point? At yourself as a grip. Oh, fuck. I think I could just throw something at me. There's nothing worse in movies than the first three Terminator movies whenever it cuts to the future showing cool guys with laser guns and then Terminator Salvation like, but what if they used real guns? (laughs) Just a regular AR. And everything is brown. Um, I mean, that's more realistic, but less interesting. Um, don't worry, guys, because Mick G has a chilling new vision of the Terminator franchise to bring to you all. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, you have another yeah, podcast yeah. to shoot after this one. To and it's about a worse movie. Oh, gosh, I wish you well. I was going to grab you some beers from the brewery I work at, but I forgot. It's Sorry. all good. Alcohol would I... serve him very well right now. What, which brewery do you work at? Uh, Great Central. Okay. It's more of a cannery, but oh, the tap oh, yeah. room's pretty tiny. That's awesome. And I all I have to do is pour beers. That's the that's like on the perfect gig. Go into that after this. We yes. love pouring beers. It, I'm a big fan. I am Irish. Yeah, I'm afraid it's in my blood. I um, I'll talk about when we finish recording. Um, movie comes out. <laughs> movie comes out. Wait, uh, what? What month did it come out? February 18th, 1994. We're almost at the exact 30 year. Wow. We're a week away from 30 years of this movie being out. Wow. That's why we need a sequel. Ben Stiller, yeah, pick up for, the phone. Pick up the phone. <laughs> I'm calling for, you right now. He's too busy making Severance. Fine. I like the show. I have not watched Severance. It's good? Yeah. I enjoy cool. it a lot. It's got a good cast. It's it's twisted in all the right ways. From the twisted mind of Ben Stiller. That's what they should put on all the... <laughs> From the twisted shows. mind of Walter Mitty. twisted mind of Walter Mitty. The Walter May trailers terrified me because the Sean Penn that would just appear in images and look at him. Um, oh, but he's so good in that movie. You got you, yeah, it's good. You have to watch Secret Life of Walter I, It's I, really. Pretty. I don't even think you'd like it. I don't. I don't think it, it's a. It's not very much a Jeff movie. I don't think. But it's very nice to look at. It is. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love. I'm gonna watch that today. Probably. Stuart's gonna go home and watch this. Stuart making big Saturday plans. <laughs> Go well, home. we have to watch all of his stuff sequentially. So you've seen Reality Bites. You go home. You like warm up with Zoolander. What if I became? What if I became? What if I became midi pilled? High rise up! I, can, midi, I know you're out Walter there. Walter Mitty, high rise up. Um, we gotta get you coffee. <laughs> so He's about to lose it. Dude, uh, I can't drink coffee today because I'm on antibiotics. No, I've never had these Celsius's before. This is not a paid sponsorship, but Celsius, if you're out there, you, Morgan, you, you sold out. Much <laughs> like the characters in the movie, you sold, sold out. This was out. delicious, and I do have energy. So, not we're not we're also sponsored, but you should try by boost. Oh, by boost! I like I that. I'm drinking Bi-Boost. water. Um, I need coffee. Um, this movie comes out. Um, February 18th, after premiering at Sundance. Um, it did not perform as well as the studio had hoped. Um, after the release of the motion picture singles, they decided we're, uh, we're not going to make any more Gen X movies. And they only, did, they only did this because of the Winona contribution. Um, and after this, they tried to mar- remarket the movie as not being a Gen X movie. Because <laughs> the marketing initially done. for it was, it's a Gen X movie. And they're like, actually, it's a comedy for everyone, <laughs> um, which they tried to do. Your grandpa will love this. The second week of release, they tried to make this pivot with Ben Stiller going around I want being like, to watch like the trailer changes because you like, know they had to re-edit that trailer. If you're Gen X, this is the movie. A comedy for the whole age. Reality bites. It overall goes on to make um, forty-four million, forty million on like a. Eleven million dollar budget. It's not like a huge success, but it, it's profitable for the studio, mm-hmm. um, in a small way at least. Um, it gets 
decent reviews, but it is kind of considered a cultural touchstone for Gen X at the time, mm-hmm. um, for all the good and the ill that we've talked about that for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winona herself is a little disappointed by the movie at the end. Um, she says two things about it. first that she didn't want the movie to turn into the Winona Ryder being cute movie. Um, and then basically every critic is like, Winona Ryder is really cute She's in this so movie. Precious. The mm-hmm. pixie haircut. The pixie haircut. Um, isn't it great just having her back in a movie set in the present? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's disappointed by that, but she's also disappointed in described the movie as being something of a music video vehicle to take advantage of her star billing. That is an accurate That's read. Very accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's not like bitter necessarily to Ben Stiller or to like the overall experience because she still enjoyed it, but she's like at the end of the day, I didn't really get too much out of it. That makes sense. Um, she, does, she goes on to work with Ben Stiller again. We'll, like, we'll talk about that uh, for Zoolander. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is in Zoolander. I about that. Sir, can you believe we have to do a Zoolander episode? Have I you can. booked someone for that? We have. Oh, bananas. We, we, have, we booked my favorite guest for that, a person I've never speak to, except for when he comes on the show every two years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, well, Sam. No, Sam Kelly. I oh. only talked to oh, him. Oh, my God. Did he go to Columbia? He did. I, d- I know who that is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a small college. He's an old, he's an old coworker of mine. Um. I yeah, think I, I know who that is. I literally never speak to him except for one where he comes on the show every other year. <laughs> it's kind of my favorite relationship that I have. I thought about to say Alex Wilson, which is basically no. Um, <laughs> when you said that, so no, good. We have we have him. We have no. him for something else. Um, mm. that was a strange noise you made. Well, you said it very strangely. It's like we have him for something else something else uh, Janine Gruffalo like, also I looks <laughs> Janine Gruffalo also looks back on the movie and says I don't understand why young people liked this movie <laughs> I did not like this movie fair assessment um she's such a hater I love her <laughs> you gotta respect the hater yeah <laughs> um waking up hating um and apparently in 2013 Ben Stiller tried to make a, a sequel what? television series okay so um, there's it's in his mind it is in the back of his mind um, it got nominated for the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Passions, but did not make the cut. Mm. And then um, apparently in 2022, Danny DeVito, who is a producer of this movie, yeah. announced that they were going to do a Peacock series oh, adaptation. What? And then it's never been mentioned again. We can really do this, boys. We got to call yeah. up Danny. It's, anyone got a, anyone got a line to Danny DeVito? Oh if God. I did, oh I would be... I would, my life would be very different. Yeah, <laughs> if we could just call up Danny DeVito, mm. like Danny, what you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Can you just read me a bedtime story? <laughs> it's cold and lonely. Yeah. yeah, but but overall, Reality Bites, it's a kind of just like a mid level success that goes on to be something of a cult classic for Gen X, and I think Gen X alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think our, our collective response to this movie is kind of indicative of how it plays. Unless you were, you know, you had to be there for it, man. Um, it kind of you know, displays how it plays to how its legacy continues mm-hmm. and that yeah. there really is, it's, it's really, there's not that much to it. Um, yeah. you can say that pretty, I would correct. say they aren't working hard enough for it yes. to be more. Yes. Slackers. There's a slacker generation. What are you doing? Oh. Close nice. on this out. Oh my gosh. Nice. I am going to die. Do it, Jeff. Just take some time. I was going to ask if we had any final thoughts. We can I think, yeah. uh, hey, don't write yourself off yet. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's my final thought. Your final thought? Salute to that. <laughs> Reality really bit in this movie. Folks. 
Morgan, thank you so much for being here. Of today. course, yeah. Thank you this for having me. This was a lot of fun having you back. Um, this is one of the, the looser episodes we've had recently. Hell yeah. We were happy to have you here for Yeah, it. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Um, we'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. Um, in the meantime, Stuart, next week we'll be talking about Little Women. Little Women. Um, in the year of our warlord, 2024, the women still have to be little. Um, Gosh, silencing can't, women. We can't let mm. them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more jokes. We'll be joined by Charlie Schumann next week to talk about Little Women, um, one of their favorite books. In the meantime, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop into our Reddit, our sister Volts. You can find us at Rolton Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, or Threads. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Anything you guys want to plug? Nope. No. Don't uh, find me. Special thanks. Find me in the park. <laughs> find, find me in the parking lot. <laughs> 6 p.m. <laughs> Fist up. Bring a second. <laughs> bring um, a big gulp. Special thanks, as always, to Rebecca for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that isn't currently taking you out because Stuart's playing uh, music that's going to get us a copyright claim. Get up. Have a great week, folks. See you next week for our Little Women. Oh.